1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 75 of Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we demonstrate that everything, and I mean really simply
0: everything, has a history. Like notebooks, beans or avocados. Or freedom and imprisonment, or up and down, or inside and out, hot or or cold. You see what I'm doing there? I'm, I, I think Opposites.
1: <laughs> avocados? What's the opposite of an avocado?
0: Um... Pear. <laughs> it's not the opposite. I don't know what the opposite of an avocado <laughs> is. Think of it in terms of a salad. So it would be chicken. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's an unexpected sort of okay. opposite. Well, okay. Go on. Let's Cavern- go. or something <laughs> like that. Ridiculous. So what are we talking about today? So we are uh, this podcast. We have suddenly got derailed at the beginning. There. It is snowing. It's a snow day. We have children uh, right. in the in the shed. Yep. We're going to be bringing them in later. Hello, kiddies. We will be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, who knew that The Humble Egg is in fact all about childhood fights, late 80s rap music, and of course the Beatles, and the secret world of espionage? Or that The Lean is about medieval buildings... Octogenarian sailors, walking sticks—that's the material <laughs> culture of the lean and gangsters. It's literally leaning on people. I, I didn't know any of that. Which connects us to <laughs> thumbs. History of thumbs. It's about thumb screws. Oh. What, no, no. What's about thumbscrews? Oh, leaning on people. Leaning on Pressure people. and getting yeah, people yeah, yeah. to do what Torcher. you want them to. Yeah. Mm. The man
1: sitting opposite me is the magus of ages. It's Professor <laughs> Extraordinaire of
0: Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. It's Professor James Daybell. Hello, James. Hello, Hello Sam. Sam. I think that is one of the best uh, rhyming uh, nicknames for me <coughs> that you've come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, the man sitting opposite me is the... Admiral of the Archives. It is the truly wonderful, the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. Thank you very much, James. Now, um, we're both excited about this podcast. Yes. And we've been wanting to do it. We both sort of sensed that there was a lot of history... To be about, involved. And we are pockets. doing the history of pockets. Now, I, I have a plug here because my thinking about this, the reason we're doing it, and what has framed most of my research and thinking about this, is a brilliant article that I read this week in the journal Costume. Now, of course, you're all avid readers of the journal Costume. Um, but it's by a terrific um, historian uh, called Rebecca Unsworth, who did her PhD at the Victoria and Albert Museum. Uh, with uh, Angela McShane among Mm -hmm. others Um, and the title of it is Hands Deep in History Pockets in Men and Women's Dress in Western Europe circa 1480 to 1630. Mm -hmm. It is a terrific read and you should all go out. uh, It's openly accessible to everyone so it's free online. You should all go and read it and I will be talking bits and pieces about this as we go. Right, well I think we're going to start by just sort of thinking very crazily
1: about, about pockets and what might or might not those histories be involved in. I want to start now, we're going to introduce, uh, it's snowing outside, the yep. school has been cancelled, so in my recording shed I have, um, come and stand over here guys, who I got here? My name is B Willis. And how old are you B Willis? I'm 11. And who's this? And I'm Felix Willis and I'm 12. Right, Goodness so um, we're going to do the history of pockets, now... Um, I
0: juniors in the house.
1: I'm I'm interested in what's in a pocket historically and in present day. So today I've got two pounds, uh, ATP. I've got a wallet, um, and, uh, a single glove,
0: a single glove. Yes. So you know what a single glove means? What does that mean? It means that we're, we're going to have a fight if you drop it in front of me. What was the sexy one? What was the, I fancy Uh, you? That's if you're a girl and you drop her, you drop a sort of, uh, glove in front of somebody. Mm. It's about chastity. We can't talk about such things in present company. No. So um what have no. you got in your pockets? Uh, I have a handful of coins, mostly ones and two Ps, because my daughters tend to pilfer from my pockets. And leaning in the other pocket, I have an enormous wallet that is overstuffed. Right. Um and I have a and in my i the problem with winter is you just have so many things on, so many layers and so many pockets. I always lose things. But in here I have a <laughs> I have a, oh my a God. paper bag. You're like a walking bin. It's a bin. A paper <laughs> bag from... Well, I, I, since we were recording today and since it was cold, <laughs> I brought a snacks and I have an empty snack <clears> thing and um, I think I have some straw and a bent paper clip. So it's like Wurzel Gummidge? Yes. That sort of straw. My, they are capacious pockets used for... It's extraordinary. Have you got a everything. pen? You're a good historian. You must have a pen. Yeah, I took it out of my pocket. So, okay, the recent history of that pen is, is pocket-y. That it's been in my pocket. Have mm. you ever read uh, Angelica Sprockets' Pockets? No. The Quentin Blake book. No. I'm looking at three vacant faces. Yeah, Shame on you. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. It's brilliant. It, uh, she's a character who keeps bringing out things from her pockets.
1: Like Mary
0: Poppins, her bag. Uh, yes, exactly like Mary Poppins. The bottomless bag. pockets. Yeah. No, this raises the
1: question of what's in your pockets, kids? <laughs> so let's have a... Um, well, I've got my wallet, which only has about two pounds in it. Yep. Ah,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> I got a fork. <laughs> a fork. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a fork. <laughs> Brilliant. Just in case. Uh, um, You're in, armed. I got a
1: cricket ball because I'm into cricket.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. And you carry it around. Well, I always you? walk around with balls yes. in my pockets. Yes. Apart from today, oh, I, yes. I always oh, have a bouncy ball. ball. Really? Yes, like a squash ball
1: to ball. sort of yeah, a little bounce your grip. Particularly where, no, uh. no, no, just to bounce against walls. Yeah, uh, to to ah, stave off the great, the great escape. Exactly like the great escape, but I do it in airports a lot. Yep. Really? Yeah. Do they and do, I do I they have, get annoyed with I you? I have a marble to fiddle with because I like fiddling. So B likes fiddling. Thing, Felix, what have you got? I have a sort of stretchy snake. <laughs> <laughs> this is, is like a pet stretchy snake. Very <laughs> yeah, good. I, I do. I've got a U-U-U. Yo-yo. Sure. cool. Yeah. Love yo-yos. And I've got a sort of eyeball-sized. So uh, bouncy ball. That's good. So you're true. You're a true ball. Willis in that both of you have got bouncy yeah. balls. So I'm now sitting here with a sporty, <laughs> a sporty family. Three, three balls and a fork. <laughs> brilliant um, and a snake so i don't want the fork i don't, i, don't, I, I don't, was reading a story recently about this guy who um got to think of the of, of the pockets of your jacket as somewhere that you might store something precious mm-hmm. and i was reading a story about a guy who got a second hand suit and he bought the suit of someone else from a second hand shop and he went through the pockets and in one of the pockets was a lottery ticket and it won whoa like no 20 way. million dollars no way yeah.
0: was it his lottery ticket no
1: no, it was someone else's. Is that, else's. Fraud? It, is that fraud? fraud? I'm not sure what it is. It's not fraud, it's not theft. It's luck. It is pure luck. Pure
0: and unadulterated luck.
1: Yeah. But um, so I, I reckon that if people went through all of the old suits that they had, or old old dresses or whatever it is, um, you might find some interesting stuff. The pocket as archive. The pocket as archive.
0: Mm. Have you ever
1: found interesting in a pocket of a suit?
0: Something like that. I see? did recently. Um, I've all I, suits that I rare infrequently tend to be repositories for things. And I tend to wear suits on special occasions. Mm. And I found the order of service for my grandmother's funeral recently, oh. which which she passed away quite a, quite a while ago. So I obviously haven't I haven't removed that yes. suit or checked that pocket, you know, since yeah. the since the funeral. But what what I what I'm interested I've in? I've got a quick question, actually.
1: Um, so, what do you guys think would have been like in the pockets of kids hundred uh... years ago? Oh, stolen food. Stolen food. <laughs> Likely. Stolen food and stolen money. Yeah. I would say a sort of ancient stone yo-yo. Ancient yo-yo. Toys. <laughs> 100 so hundred so years ago. Yeah, a hundred <laughs> oh, years ago. And... People were play with yo-yos. Maybe, but they, made like, lots of stone. they would have still had toys. I think yes. that's the point. Yes. They might yes. have had like, a piece of chalk to draw a hopscotch. Yeah. Uh, chalks very useful and you can make games out of it. So, so yeah. again... A Childhood plaything. I think we should do the unexpected history of childhood at some yes, point. I think we should. I think we would learn a great deal from these these these, these professional wise, children, wise they children. They are pro I kids. Childhood for my life. <laughs> 12, years. For my
0: Twelve years. Right. Let's Brilliant. do um do some history here. Um, so what I'm interested in is thinking about you know, the meaning of the pocket. I know you hate the word taxonomy, but mm-hmm. I'm. I, but what I mean by that is a kind of, is a laying out of all the different ways in which we can we can order pockets and we can start thinking about pockets. First off is thinking about definitions of pocket. What is a pocket? Yeah. And, you know, we think we're very used to today. We've already had this conversation about, you know, numerous pockets that we've all got, you know, young, old, male, female. Um you think about men's suits and the number of pockets that you've got there. But, you know, there was a time when pockets were not pockets in the way that they are, these sort of cloth envelopes stitched onto the outside or inside of clothing. They were, in fact, more like little purses. So they were portable pockets mm. that you'd have you'd have tied on. So women in the 16th and 17th century would have had little pockets that they would have worn under their clothes. You know, you'd sort of tie it on on yourself. Um, and then you'd have a whole you'd have a sort of slit in the petticoat so that you could sort of put your your hand in and get to your pocket. Um, so there are different ways of thinking about that. We can also we can also write a chronology of the pocket hmm. and we can gender that so we can talk about differences for men and women. Um, we know from archaeology that there are ancient pockets. So people would have had, you know, ancient bags. Um, medieval period pockets are similarly sort of external, external sort of portable things. By the late 15th century, they are becoming much more evident um, and we can see them stitched into clothings and under clothes by the. But for women, by the later 17th century, as dresses kind of change and so it's dresses become much, much tighter. So pocket, it's much more difficult to put pockets underneath and into the 18th century. They're replaced by small bags called a reticule, Hmm. R-E-T-I-C-U-L-E. By the 1850s and 90s, they're stitched into clothes for women, and it's connected to suffrage and feminism and the Rational Dressed campaign that was founded in 1891. Post-war, there is a decrease in pockets, uh, alarmingly. And you think about um, Hillary Clinton recently, um, and this is for women. Think about Hillary Clinton recently and that televised presidential debate with that with um, you know that Trump monster-like sort of looming behind her power prowling, suit yeah. prowling power suit, no pockets. Mm. Whereas for men, you know, from the eighteenth century, suit was full of pockets. And think about pockets related to different functions. So a beer pocket, a beer pocket, a beer pocket. Nineteen ten. I want a beer suit. pocket. A bottle, a pocket that. You'd put a bottle of beer in, allowing Absolutely. allowing your hands to be free to hold other bottles of beer. To hold other bottles of beer, <laughs> it's perfect. Or cargo pockets, like in cargo pants, big bulky pockets. Oh, like in trousers Military, as well. mili- you know, munitions and maps mm. and handkerchiefs in. Um, and there are alternatives to pockets as well. Um, the The codpiece. <laughs> early early codpieces were used as pockets. So imagine, sort of, you know, and there are, there, are, there are reports of people at court, you know, keeping money, fruit. Uh, in there, you know, food in there, you know, we can think of the obvious and ones, nuts, food, nuts. nuts, plums, bananas, <laughs> you know, whatever, <laughs> um, all in there. And, and I think there's something about the cultural history of the pocket. How, you know, why, why the move from the codpiece to the pocket? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Yeah. You know, and putting your hands down your trousers in your codpiece to take out money to pay something is not exactly the same as having a... No. You know, something in your in your pocket. <coughs> and different types of pocket.
1: Hmm.
0: Breast pocket, inside pocket, watch pocket. You know, fob fob pockets. I mean, we we no longer have those because it's no it's no longer fashionable to have a a watch on a chain. Secret pockets? Secret secret pockets. Wow. I've got one in a suit. It's just sort of by my left armpit almost.
1: It's quite high up and it's quite hidden. Um but it's a small it's a small pocket. it, it can basically hold something like
0: a ring or a cyanide or, tablet.
1: A cyanide tablet or yes. an SD card. Ah,
0: do you use it? Uh, no. But I see, quite like see, it. See, I think if I had a pocket like that, I would put something in it and then I would forget about it. And then <laughs> then it would get washed. Like a cyanide and tablet, some, and then I'd you'd eat your yeah, suit, and eat suit and then die.
1: <laughs> These or, are I'd, the... or, I'd loo- or I'd lose a ring. Right. Listen, let's, um, I, I wanna, I'm going to stop you there with your crazy taxonomy, which has been good fun. What's in your pocket? What's what do you, you keep in your pocket? Well, I know, I know. How does it change over time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the sources for how we study pockets. And yes. I mean, I'd like to just do art as oh, one one source. So have a look at this painting. This
0: what have you got? Here is for a painting us,
1: um, um, by a guy called William Powell Frith in 1858. Um, it's called Derby Day. So it is a panorama of a Victorian life. Um, Google this, everyone. Yeah, it's go absolutely to, go to Google. It's a huge long painting and there are hundreds of people in it and this guy basically invented the the, the the type of painting of victorian panorama he'd done one called life at the seaside of Ramsgate yep. in 1857 this one of the derby days quite extraordinary for what it tells us what it shows us about the victorian relationship with their pockets mm. so let's start and look over on the left here far left you've got this chap in a kind of farmer's smock Um, rustic-looking gentleman, ruddy-faced from being outside, and his wife's sort of grabbing hold of him. He's ignoring her and looking over his shoulder to some well-dressed gentlemen standing here who are gambling. Now, he has got one hand in his pocket as if he's testing to see if there's any money there, if he wants to have a gamble. Now, the very opposite of this gentleman is someone right on the other side. So if you go all the way to the right-hand side, can you see this chap here? Yeah. He is... a louche type. He is a, an aristocratic cad. He's leaning against um, a a cart. It's not called cart. It's what it's called. A carriage. A carriage um, with, with, some, with a very pretty well-to-do lady in it. And he's leaning back. He's got his hands sort of in his waistband or in pockets at the top of his trousers in a very distinctive way. He's, he's kind of keeping the woman. He's striking a pose. He's not looking for something. He's, 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 he's using his pockets to, to appear in a certain way. Now the final one he looks shifty. too. he me. looks properly shifty. He's a he's a, he's a bad egg that guy. Yeah. Now look at this other chap in the middle. So um there he is. He's, ah, he's reasonably smartly dressed. So he's neither a top rustic, hat. he's neither an impoverished rustic nor is he a wealthy aristocrat. Um top hat, bit like a banking clerk and he yep. <laughs> looks a bit miserable. He's standing next to the guys who are gambling and he's firmly got both hands in his pockets as if to to acknowledge there's nothing left there. So I suspect he's been stripped of all of his money by those gamblers. Mm. Now, in contrast to these guys, you've got this lady right in the centre here um, wearing a very pretty dress, a sort of pink and white lace dress, and she's looking in a purse because she hasn't got any pockets. Not only did women in this period not have pockets, but they were systematically deprived of pockets by people who made clothes. Now, what I love about this particularly is that there's chaps looking over her shoulder into her purse. So... He can see, other people can see if she has any money. Yep. This The ability to kind of have money or to, to keep it private, is. It's, she doesn't have that. It's not like these gentlemen elsewhere who are searching their pockets for cash. She must do it in a very public way. Um, so this guy who painted it, William Powell Frith, he 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 believed in phrenology. Yes. So he believed that the way you physically appeared and the way you behaved and acted was indicative of... Class, but also characteristics yeah. of behaviour, yes. um, yes. which makes this painting particularly um, particularly fascinating. I love it, just for what it tells us about yeah, Victorians in yeah. their pockets.
0: I and mean, what it's what it what's great about it is that it's this real cross section of society. The clothing historians would look at this, you know, and examine the pockets from a sort of from all all manner of, of examples. And I think it's a great it's a great example of one of the brilliant sources for studying pockets and that's one of the sort of big questions you mean art? Um, yeah art paintings it's one of the big questions that we need to ask ourselves how do you study something like a like a pocket we talked about this when we looked at gloves you know and many of the sources are very similar and you've got visual sources like this and so you can put together a series of paintings portraits across time across cultures to have a look at different types of of pocket and use that as a way of of looking at how the style and uses of pockets, you know, shift. You've then got um, documentary sources, so Mm -hmm. written documents, and where you've got a big digital collection like the state papers online, which unfortunately is behind a paywall. So you need to go to a research library to use it. But you can use a key search term such as pockets, pocket or whatever, and pull up all these mentions of pockets in different in different documents, and what's brilliant about the the state papers is that you'll see all manner of things from inventories and you know wardrobe accounts. You can see pockets at court, but also because it's also about state surveillance, you can also look at the way in which pockets have been used to hide secret things. So people who have been um, captured. Um, will often hide secret letters in pockets and then have to turn out their pockets. The other great source is the old Bailey Online and pickpockets. Oh. Um, so people who came into people who came into um, you, you know, who came to court because they were caught stealing from people's pockets. You know, there's a whole mass of material on this, um, and I suppose it, people are saying that, that I had these things stolen yes, from yes, me. So you get to know what yes, was in their pocket. Yes, nah. Exactly. I've got an example here um, from fourth of December, seventeen seventeen. William Carlyle came before the Old Bailey courthouse, um, and this was a guy uh, living in in Westminster. He was indicted for privately stealing a pocket value of one pence, two gold rings value of nineteen shillings, a laced handkerchief value of ten shillings and two shillings, six pence in money, from the person Susan Wright, the 23rd of September last. The prosecutor deposed that her pocket was with great violence pulled off by a boy, which, tearing down her petticoat in doing it, she was obliged to take it up and so could not follow him, and so he got off. She verily believed the prisoner to be the person, but was not positive enough to influence the jury to find him guilty, so they acquitted him. And in it, we see a, a... you know, we see not only the crime itself, the way, how she was wearing it, but as you say, you know, all of the items in it. Um, archaeology is also another brilliant source for this. I mean, one of the difficult things is actually reconstructing what survives in a pocket. Descriptions like that allow us to, but often the pockets that survive, and the Victorian Albert Museum has a great collection of, of pockets across the ages but often the contents are not there. But with archaeology, they can be. With archaeology, yeah. they can be. Mary Rose. Uh, um, Mary there Rose. was a, a pocket found, or what's thought to be a pocket found, that containing a comb. And so what we get is this, kind of, is this sense of what people in the past would have kept in their pockets. And they tend to be private, personal possessions. Yeah. You know, it's something that you want to keep safe. Yeah. So you compare that to, say, a box or a trunk, which would be kept elsewhere in a room, and when at a time when people often lived very communally, uh, servants might have slept in the same room or even the same bed, having a pocket that was on your person meant that you kept something very close and very,
1: yeah.
0: very safe. Well, this um, talking about what you keep in
1: pockets is wonderful because I've got these. Ah, it's a tremendous. These pocket are the, books. P- pocket books. So I've got the pocket book of ships, which has got all sorts of wonderful pictures of flags. I've talked about that before, actually. The um, Observer's Book of Sea and Seashore. So these must be between the 20s and the 50s. The Observer's Book of Sea Fishes, which is quite fun. There's a ray on the front. Um, the Weather Book. So here you are. You go and walk around and... Oh, look, it's signed. Mr. Chippendale. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know tells you about the weather you're experiencing, and then this one instructions for British servicemen in France. See, that's Ooh. a that's a pocket guide. That's the kind of thing you'd have if you Handy. got shot down yeah. behind enemy lines. You actually needed a guide. You needed a survival thing. So um, that's a, that's a wonderful little thing. But anyway, others pocket handkerchiefs Here you are. Uh, what's
0: Whoa, this? Ooh, that is a pocket pen knife. That's a it's a pen knife, right? Um, and it's it's really. Have you got a pen knife? I do. I do. I have a. Leatherman pen knife, oh. uh, which I keep on my desk in a bowl. Do you? Yes. So you're not like MacGyver making things all the time. No, 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 no. no. Not doing uh, it. Uh, m- like mine that. also lives in my study.
1: <laughs> <Yes. laughs> like good, good historians. <laughs> We've got one. We never use it. I mean, interesting thing here is that is that mine's got it's got a variety of things. It it's almost very possible to get stiff to open. Yeah, it's even got a nail file, so that when you break your nails, get, <laughs> <laughs> getting them out, you can mend them. Um, the interesting thing: the history of the Swiss Army knife. Okay, because here was a bit of a bit of a thought about this. One of the things all of these guys have, uh, they, I actually can't get that. Ah. Martin tin opener, tin opener. Um, so the history of the Swiss Army knife is also do with the history of cans and canning. And it came out at a time where the um, soldiers oh. were started were given their food in cans, it was preserved, so they had to have a tool yep. to be able to do it. And the other thing that they had was one of these, a screwdriver, screwdriver. So a to, Phillips screwdriver is it? That is a Phillips. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that. So for the original Swiss Army, at the time of the Swiss Army knife, they had to have a tool to take their guns apart. So ah. it was at, at an age and a time before people made guns which could be dismantled yeah. and, and yeah. put back together yeah. again with just by kind of pressing buttons and clicking things in. Yeah. And that if you, if you take apart a gun that was made from the, I don't know, 30s or 40s onwards, they are so amazingly smooth. And, and the whole point is you don't need mm. a tool.
0: Mm-mm-mm.
1: What I particularly like about the Swiss Army knife is that... Um, there were actually inventions like it before the Swiss Army Knife, and do you know where the evidence for that comes from?
0: Mm,
1: no. Moby Dick. Moby Dick. How about oh, that? God
0: it. Moby Dick is a cornucopia of. I know. Like, I know. References. Here we are. So in 1851.
1: So this is this is you know 20 or so years before the Swiss Army Knife. Melville talks about Sheffield contrivances. So uh, for Sheffield a, steel. Sheffield steel. Knives, Sheffield yes. knife. Assuming the exterior, though a little swelled, so it's a bit, bit bigger. Sheffield contrivances, assuming the exterior though a little swelled of a common pocket knife, but containing not only blades of various sizes, but also screwdrivers, corkscrews, tweezers, awls, pens, pens,
0: rulers, nail filers, and countersinkers. Ooh, I, I've, I have a countersinker. Yeah, I've never used it.
1: They're those things for making screws Counter flush in wood. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, now, another type of knife which I'm really interested in is the switchblade a flick knife, Ooh, proper fl- flick yes. knife. Can you imagine what I a proper stiletto flick knife, yes. like the black one with a silver button and yes. it's kind of got the sort of wavy medieval looking bit at the top. Yeah. So those are Italian, the nasty things. Interesting you're yeah. saying that, but um they're Italian of origin. And they came back to America with American servicemen who'd been fighting in Italy during the Second World War. They then become massively popular in the States, and it leads to a a huge rise of knife crime amongst Um, urban gangs, um, which then leads to all sorts of litigation to control it. There was was a a big, massive national problem about these toys, they were called, that killed people. But Hollywood picked up on it. So in the 50s, you've got a load of films in which... Um, these switchblades, these flick knives, play a really big part. You've got Rebel Without a Cause in 55, yep. Crime in the Streets, 56, 12 Angry Men, 57, The Delinquents, 57, High School Confidential, 58, and then West Side Story as well, in the same yep. same period, in yep. 1958. Um, it's really interesting how that, how that, how that happened and how Hollywood got on the back of it. But it all came from a little Italian Pocket knife. Switch, switchblade factory.
0: Yeah. We used to have flick combs at school, which looked the same. They were really cool, oh, except it would go whoosh. I was never allowed one. They were always thought too dangerous. Really? Take your eye out, oh. me dad said. But they'd give you great, great quiff. They, I bet they would. Yeah, and you look I cool. I bet they would. I bet they would. Look at this great hair <laughs> in, my, in my hat. You need my, to comb my, it, I think. My winter hat today. I do. I need a, do you have a flick comb? Not- <laughs> so I'm going to take us in a slightly different direction, uh, which is um, the fact that women's clothing doesn't really have pockets. We mentioned um, that talking about the painting. Didn't we, we mentioned that talking about the painting and, and what, that can, what that can mean for a woman not to have somewhere on her person to keep things. Yeah. And I think this sort of leads us to the sort of argument about suffrage and women's freedom and the rational dress society that I talked about in 1891. And the idea here was that it was a move away from those sort of tight, restrictive, corset-wearing times and encouraging women to wear much, much more flexible, free, to, free clothes um, that allowed them to sort of move around. And there's a 1899 article in the New York Times that, somewhat sort of, you know, in, in jest, uh, writes, "As we become more civilized, we need more pockets." The piece says, um, "No pocketless people have ever been great since pockets were invented, and the female sex cannot rival us while it is pocketless." Mm. But I think this notion about about the pocket and freedom, you're almost like a room of one's own—the sort of Virginia Woolf sort of idea about having a a library and a room where you can sort of be a be a writer. Actually, having pockets that you can that you can you can carry your things in compared to men's pockets. You know, men have pockets absolutely everywhere for putting all sorts of things in mm. important things. Yeah, um, I have too many pockets. I hate pockets. A cargo cargo pants. Are, that's a very sort of masculine world of 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 the military and pre world war 2 the british bring in pockets for military uniform in order to put a map and probably a sort of med- first aid kit in yeah. and then the us military bring in pockets in jackets and also pockets in trousers to carry ammo the kinds of things that you you know you don't have you can't carry in your backpack mm. So the history of pockets. Who knew? Absolutely brilliant. I I think we could do more on the history of pockets. We may come back and do pockets too. Pockets as a metaphor for finance. To put your hands in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Um, A pocket judge. To have a judge in your pocket is all about
1: corruption. Well, bear with us, guys. We might do another one on pockets. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes,
0: subscribe to the podcast, and tell all of your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. And you can follow Histories of the Unexpected on at Unexpected Pod. We are proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other great shows coming soon. You can find out more about what we've got planned in
1: the forthcoming months, show notes, video clips and all sorts of stuff at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected.
0: Bye. Bye.